Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, log on to WGCRpreaching.net. If you want to follow along in the Word of God tonight, we're looking in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And this is one of the chapters that give for us the characteristics and the preface of the last days. And in this scripture, the Lord tells us about the condition and the character of the last days. And then He equips the people of God to deal with those things that we'll have to face. The Bible tells us in verse number 1, Now this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. The Lord forewarned us, and to forewarn us is to forearm us. Now this is not the only chapter, but there are chapters in Thessalonians, the book of Jude. There are many other chapters in the Word of God that tell us about the conditions that will transpire in the last days. And things that have happened in these past few weeks have been mind-boggling and staggering. Uh, And we realize that uh, uh, things have uh, become different in just a few weeks. And I was thinking about a quote of all people. Brother Stanley Adcock sent this to me, and I looked at it and I thought, Man, uh, this fella nailed it and articulated what's going on as far as America, as good as anybody I've heard. And it's the, the wrestler Hulk Hogan of all people. But he said in three short months, uh, like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes, I'll shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians, I'll shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors, I'll shut down the theaters. You want to worship money, I'll shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me. I'll make it where you can't go to church. And then he quotes 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall love themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And he says, it may be that we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we can focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that quote, and I appreciate this man of national celebrity and status and uh, him realizing what's going on across this country. I've got up behind many preachers, who have said before I'm ready to preach in a revival effort at their church, well, I've given up on revival in America. We might see a little individual touch or maybe a congregational touch, but I've given up on that. And I thought how sad that is. The reason I can't give up on revival is because I cannot give up on God. I know God. God's all power. He has all power in heaven and in earth, and there is nothing too hard for Him. I'm a student of revivals, and one of the revivals I've got a lot of material on is the Great Welch Revival. 
And in the Great Welch Revival, I heard a 90-some-year-old man testify about the condition of the country. said, before the revival came, the cockfights were filled, the ball fields were filled, people were very lax in coming to the house of God, cursing and drinking throughout the country and uh, impurity throughout the land. But said one morning at the old Moriah uh, Methodist Church down there in Cardiff, a little girl, 12 years old, jumped up on her pew and shouted on a Sunday morning, I love Jesus with all my heart. And when she said that, said it was like electricity came into the building. It was like lightning fell. People began to weep and cry and get right with God. Many churches had been praying for years that God would send revival to Wales. And the Lord began that work there. Raised up a man by the name of Evan Roberts, 21, 22 years old. His brother Sidney and his sister, and they were used greatly in the meeting. But it wasn't confined to one place or one man. When God began to move all across the country, it was place after place where the power of God began to fall, and there was a change that fell upon the churches. They said that in six months' time, there were over 150,000 notable converts that were brought to the Lord. I've got six newspapers that were printed by the Daily Express, and they carried the news of the revival and what was going on. And God moved throughout that country in such a fashion. They had one caption of a judge that was asleep on the judge's bench. The bailiff had his hands in his head. And it told in that that they would have had to fire all the police department because the crime was so low, except for the fact those policemen were used to monitor and to help and guide the people to the congregations. One police uh, station even started a uh, quartet, and those men sang everywhere they went. There were so many miners that got saved, men five miles under the ground, would all of a sudden fall under Holy Ghost conviction and begin to tremble. And they'd hunt a preacher up. They hadn't even been in on the meeting, didn't even know what was going on. But they said so many of those miners got saved that after the meeting, they had to retrain the mules because the miners had trained them with cuss words and the mules didn't even know what they were talking about. So they had to retrain the mules. They had to have housing and uh, different uh, companies began to hire folk down in Swansea in different places where there were so many street people and now they'd gotten saved and they want to make an honest living and have an honest home. And uh, God transformed that country. J. Edwin Orr records how that revival spread from Wales literally to every continent. And I've thought about if we see a revival here in America, if we see a revival take place with the internet, people watching and listening and with the abilities that we have, it'll spread faster than this uh, coronavirus and uh, spread around the world in a mighty way. God can do it again. And He gives us those verses in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 about if I send plagues, if I send earthquakes, if I send famines, if I send those disasters just like came through last night and just like has come through and touched our nation, he said there's a remedy. And this is a national verse for nations. If my people, which are called by my name, we hold a lot of the key in our hand. Jesus said, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
And if God's people will continue to pray and seek God's face. It was a blessing to hear a while ago the President's News Conference and they're talking about now of the projection of people that are dying in this plague have gone way down from a million to right on down to maybe 60,000 or so and every life is precious. I do not, they're precious. I do not minimize that. But you know, there was a national day of prayer. Our president called for and people began to pray. And it seemed like this would be an overwhelming total disaster. But now the hospitals are getting back to normal and places are getting back to normal. And I want to be like that leper. There were ten lepers that were healed. And nine of them went on down to the temple to get their clean leprosy certificate. One of them said, boys, you go on. Get your clean leprosy certificate. I have something I have to do. And so he turned around and he came back to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I just want to thank you. I want to praise you. And I want to bless you for what you've done. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed, where are the nine? If you haven't got this coronavirus, or if you've had it and it was mild and you've been healed, or if you've been in bad shape, God's touched and healed you, I think that we ought to turn around and say, Lord, your people have asked you. Your church has prayed. God's young'uns have called on your name. Now, Lord, I want to praise you, and I want to thank you for showing such mercy and such grace upon us. Now all that's introduction to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. is some things on my heart. But he said, I want you to notice this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we can say perilous times have come. Perilous times mean difficult times, dangerous times. It means times where uh, there will be a lot of hardships that will take place. And the Lord warned us about the earthquakes in divers places. And if you've got the earthquake app on your phone, God bless your heart, it'll drive you crazy because it's God's shaking this planet. He talked about the different things that would happen, the plagues and the judgments that would come. But He said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I don't believe the church is appointed under wrath. And I believe when the Lord finishes the church and He said, I will build my church. And anybody that's going to build a building has every intention of finishing that. The church is not an open-ended project. One day the last one will get saved. And the Bible said the last trump shall sound. And then the Scripture tells us the dead in Christ are going to rise and we're going to be caught away in the moment in the twinkle of an eye to be with the Lord. It's called the rapture of the church. Then comes the great tribulation of seven years. And during that time, it's going to be a time of awful anguish. You think this is difficult times now? This is just a little test run for the Antichrist to govern nations and bring people to a halt and a standstill and people submitting to whatever the government wants for them to do. And we've done as good as we can with what we have to try to keep this from spreading. But there will come a time when Mr. Antichrist will say you can't buy and you can't sell without the mark on your right hand or on your forehead. And if you don't, you won't be able to trade. You won't be able to buy. You won't be able to sell. The earth will be turned upside down. The stars will be shaken out of the heavens like figs in a windstorm. 
Uh, the seas will roar. Multitudes will die. The seas will turn to blood. And God says He's going to do great and mighty and awful things during that seven years and He'll bring Israel back to Himself. Then Christ will return with His church. But we're coming into those seasons. The birth pains are starting. And as you know, a woman with a child, she has mild pains to start out. And then they get more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. And we're seeing these things that have happened become more frequent now. And the Lord said this though also, that in the last times, last days, perilous times shall come. So to be forewarned is to be forearmed. He describes those things. He said, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Describes our generation without natural affection. And doesn't it appall you to see the New York, the governor, and then the mayor, and all of those folk there uh, really pulling for federal dollars to help folk uh, to not die and to have the resources they need. And yet the same crowd just a few months ago rejoiced and shouted and had a big party because they passed the law that a woman could carry a baby up to the very moment that it was birthed, lay it on a table, and her and the doctor decide whether the baby's to live or whether they'll dissect it, throw it in a grinder and sell its body parts and they shouted and rejoiced about all that. That's without natural affection. And friends, some of these places that have been hardest hit have been some of the most vocal, wicked cities on the face of the earth, much less in America. But God said in the last days, men would be without natural affection. Then He talked about truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. And we've seen much of that in the news media of late. You don't have to be a Pharisee. You don't have to be arrogant, proud, or look down your nose at somebody. Just do right and do good. And I promise you that the news media and the world and this system will be after you to try to criticize and cut and tear apart and try to destroy. And the Lord said that's the way it'll be in the last days. Then He said traitors, heady, high-minded, that word high-minded, it means to envelop with smoke. As a young boy, I heard the saying, man, someone blowed their head full of smoke. And we got a generation whose head has been filled with smoke, the smoke of evolution, the smoke, my friend, of uh, free love, they call it, the smoke of all the wickedness and the ungodliness, and they think that they'll not have to give an account for that, but sin brings its own judgment. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. And a lot of the diseases and a lot of the things that we're going through today is the result of sin itself. Then he talked about lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And surely, my friend, we've seen a great turning away from God and a turning to the lovers of pleasure. Uh, the sports events are filled, all those things. God's cut that off, though. And he says, I want to talk to you. I want to settle this thing down for just a little bit. Let me stop this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. He's talking about the churches, just getting in the habit, callous, cold, and indifferent, going through the rut, going through the routine, just taking for granted another service. And now I think that some of God's people are really getting desperate 
and saying, hey, we don't need just the form. And God has surely gotten us out of the form. A lot of preachers are becoming outdoor preachers, preaching on the doorsteps of their churches, having drive-in services, uh, preaching in front of microphones. I don't have anybody in the studio, but I know we've got a great number of folk that are listening and a lot of folk that are seeing, and things have been mixed up quite a bit. But I don't want to have just a form of godliness and go through the form and deny the power thereof. We need the power of God. And by the way, this last generation can't hang their head and whistle Dixie through the back alleys and think that we have been penalized and have to go in with a wing and a prayer. No, praise God. God's promised the power of the Spirit of God to the church all the way to the end. He said, Lo, I am with you all the way, even to the end of the world. And what the other portions of the church and the histories of the church have had, we can have as God's church and as God's people. He goes on to say, for of this sort are they that creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led with divers' lust. He goes on to talk about in verse number uh, 12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, and evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He talks about the pollution of the system and the perilous times that we'll face. I remember years ago when Brother Ray Aiken was my pastor for a little while. He came one Sunday morning and he said, Folks, there's nothing that I haven't seen all these years. He came back the next Sunday and he said, I've got an apology I need to make. I said, There's nothing that I haven't seen in this old wicked world. He said, But just a few days ago there was a lady that, uh, that drowned three of her children in a bathtub Right near my house. He said, I've never heard of such in all my life. And the Bible says that evil men's seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We need to prepare for that. We need to be ready for that. These are perilous times, difficult times, and hard times. But the Lord doesn't leave us alone and say, hope you make it through these times the best you can. He gives us an encouraging word in verse 14 through verse number 17 of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And first of all, he talks about how we are to persevere as the saints of God. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now notice the but. Thank God for when God butts in. Yes, the world, perilous times are upon us. The condition and the character of the day is among us. But, God said, I have something for my children. I've got an alternative for you. I've got some help. I've got some encouragement for you. And the first thing he says, I want you to persevere, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I sat on the front row of a Baptist church getting ready to preach a meeting. Pastor sitting near me and we're talking just a little bit. And he said, Brother Randy... I don't know what to do. He said, we go out, we visit, I preach the Word of God, we stay faithful, and said, we'll get folk in, they'll stay a little while, and then they'll move on. And it seems like it's hard to hold people, and folk just have so many things that are going on in their lives. He said, I don't know what to do. I said, brother, you need to just continue on preaching the Word of God and stay faithful to the Lord. I'm not going to change horses at the end of the road. I rode this old gospel horse 
down through these 40-some years of ministering, and I'm not about to jump on one of the fast rides that the world would offer and say, hey, the problem is that old-fashioned preaching don't get it done anymore. I'm here to tell you that God said He chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That is God's program. Paul told us in his last message, preach the Word, be instant in season and out of season. And we don't need to quit doing what we've been doing. We just need to do it with more power, with more love, and with more authority. He goes on to say, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. What have you learned? Has God taught you anything? Simon Peter said, Lord, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter, I revealed that to you. You continue in the thing that you have learned. Jesus said, No man can know the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son reveal him. And if the Lord has revealed Himself to you, if you have beheld the Son and believed on the Son and been born again by the Son, God taught you some things. Don't turn away from that and doubt in the darkness what God has already showed you in the light. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Fanny Crosby wrote the old song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm glad with salvation and with confidence in the Word of God comes an assurance that makes God's people unshakable. We know that we know that we know that we're saved. How do you know, preacher? I've been assured of the Spirit of God. I've been assured by the Word of God. And the Lord said, those things I have assured you of, I've assured you that I loved you, that I gave my life for you, that I've risen from the dead, that I'm on the throne, that you're my child. Continue in that. You know who you learned these things from. You know who gave these truths to you. Don't let anybody take this away from you. Continue the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I've learned many things from many good men of God. But the lessons that God has taught me, I'll never forget. You may forget this sermon in a matter of a few moments, but if God puts something in your heart, you'll never forget it. I had someone come up to me the other day after I'd preached and said, Brother Andy, I remember you preaching so-and-so and such-and-such such 17 years ago. I said, really? I said, where was that? And they told me. And they said, I can tell you exactly what you preached. And I said, tell me. And they told me what I preached. I said, you know why you've got that in your heart till this day? And they said, why? I said, because the Holy Ghost said something to you and anchored it down in your soul. And when God gives that to you, when God teaches you those lessons, you'll never forget And the Lord said, you be assured and you persevere. You believe me and stay by the stuff. Stay with what I have taught you. Brother Corey sang that song, It Is Well With My Soul. H.G. Spatford wrote that song. He was one of the three men that put D.L. Moody out on the road. He was a lawyer in Chicago. He had gone over to England to do some business and sent for his wife and three daughters. On the journey over, the ship went down. The wife was saved alone and the daughters died at sea. He got in the ship and he headed back over to 
uh, New York, and as he crossed the place where they had died, the captain got him and said, By dead reckoning, this is the place where your daughters went out to meet the Lord. And he went down in the bottom of that ship, and on a copy of stationery that he had gotten from the Roosevelt Hotel, he hand-wrote that entire song. I think he scratched through one word. I've got a copy of that original, not the original, but a copy of the original. But you know, that man knew God. And he was assured in that dark hour and in that dark time that it was still well with his soul because it was well with his relationship with the Lord. I don't know how long this is going to go. I don't know if you'll have a job to go back to. I don't know if the plant will shut down. I don't know how far things will go. And when it does come back together, how it will mesh and take off. We pray and we hope that it will. But, it can be well with your soul, even in the midst of the storm. And if you have a right relationship with Him, then you can receive that promise where Jesus said, The Gentiles seek after all these things, that is, food, clothing, they worry about their necessities. But He said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You worry about a relationship with Him, and God said, I will take care of everything else. I'm glad, thank God, when we've got a right relationship with the Lord, we can rest in Him. I've got a special needs son. Coulter's his name. Coulter travels a good bit with me. And many times before we go somewhere, he'll say, Daddy, where are we going to stay? What are we going to eat? And I'll say, Coulter, don't worry about all that. And, you know, I'll try to put his nerves to rest. And I'll say, Coulter... Have you ever went without a meal? No. Have you ever had to sleep out on the street? No. I said, well, just trust your father. you got a father that will take care of you. You just keep a good relationship with me and everything will be all right. Our Heavenly Father says to us today, you just keep a good relationship with me. You persevere. You continue in the things which I've taught you and which you have learned. And I'll give you strength for whatever you have to face along the journey. But not only that, in verse number 15, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to rem be reminded how I performed the wonder of salvation in you. He said, Now you've been given the scripture, and God always points us to the Bible. You know, the Muslims call Christians the people of the book. And the reason they do is because, especially in the Middle East where people jeopardize their lives every day, they cling close to the Word of God. Tribulations and trials always drive people uh, that are saved back to the Word of God. And he said, Timothy, I want to remind you of something. From a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures. That word child can mean a baby in his mother's womb. It can mean a suckling child. It can mean uh, a young infant or a young child. It can cover a vast array. But from the time he was a child, he knew the Holy Scriptures. You know, we talk about crack cocaine addicted babies and alcohol fetal syndrome babies and they're born in this world drunk and heroin addicts and all of that because of what their mamas put in their body while they were carrying that child. I thank God for children that come into this world that have been acquainted with the Word of God nine months before they ever got here. 
And while their mother's carrying them, the man of God gets to preaching, and that baby just about kicks that mama to death. I've said that happen many a time. Like John the Baptist, get me out of here. I want to serve Jesus. I want to love the Lord. Timothy had a grandmother, and he had a mother that loved God. Boy, you just remember, if you've got a heritage, and you think about how from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, and we have a lot of folk in this area that have a great heritage of faith in the Lord Jesus, and it came through their family. You may be a first-generation Christian, but you can give your family what you did not have growing up. You can give them that testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice he said, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. How do I know I'm saved? The Bible. How do you know the Bible's true? It proves itself and has proven itself again and again. And for anybody that will trust the Word of God, and you'll rest your faith on the foundation of the Scripture, you'll find that it works, that it's true, and that it's real. If you're watching or you're listening today to the sound of my voice and you're not saved by the grace of God, God's dealing with you and has been dealing with you through all of this. We can take the Bible, the Word of God, and show you what God says about being saved. You can call 884-9427 or 828-884-9427. There are folk here in the studio. Pick up the phone and take your call. You need to be saved this evening. I encourage you, don't go through all this by yourself. Get on your knees. Call on His name. And the Lord can make you wise unto salvation and give you the revelation of the knowledge of His redeeming grace. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. I remember witnessing one time to a lady and she started weeping and says, I just don't know. I'm not ready to die. And I told her how she could be ready to die and prepared to meet the Lord. But you can give folk the answer and give folk the message, but if they won't heed it, there's nothing that you can do about it. You have to leave that. It's in their, their hands. It's in their ballpark. But then he goes on in verse number 15 and says, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You have to exercise that faith. And then in verse number 16, we see the Lord gives us present wisdom for our step. Preacher, where do I turn? What do I do? Where do I get advice from? I don't know what to do. Man, many things are coming my way and, and, and I really need some counsel, preacher. Well, you've got a Bible, don't you? you got a Bible, turn to that Bible. You can get wisdom for your steps. Notice what he says in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means the Bible is God-breathed. The Lord has ready for you that message that you need. This is the mind and the heart of God. And it's been put together by the Lord through the power of inspiration. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is not just a book written by men. It's a book that was penned down by the Lord Himself. And He says several things about it. It is profitable. Has the Bible profited you? Has it profited your family? Has it profited your life? Man, think about before the Word of God came. How it was at the house. How you lived. What you did. What you went through. What you face, the hopelessness, and all of those things. You think about uh, how it was before the, yes, the Bible's profited me. I remember our home before my dad got right with God. Man, it was terrible. 
But after he got right with God, hallelujah, it became a little heaven on earth. I remember my own life, how wretched and empty and vain and vile it was. But then the Word of God came. I got saved by the grace of God. What joy, what blessings, and what hope, and, and what purpose of mind and of heart. The Word of God will profit our nation in these days if we'll turn to the Scriptures. Not turn on each other, but turn to the Word of God. All Scriptures give them inspiration of God, and it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Knowing what we know and why we know and the basis of it being the Word of God. When I got saved, I said, I'm going to come to the Bible and that which the Scripture teaches is what I'm going to believe. And friend, I've tried to stay with the adherence to the Word of God. A lot of men, a lot of people have a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions, a lot of things but the doctrine of the Word of God is that which we are to adhere to. That teaches us what is right. And then he says it is for reproof. The Word of God shows us what is wrong. How do we know these things are wrong? How do we know lying's wrong, stealing's wrong, adultery, fornication? How do we know covetousness is wrong? The Word of God reproves that. It opens our eyes to that. After I got saved and began to sit under the Word of God, there were a lot of things that I was doing I didn't even know they were wrong till the Word of God began to reprove and open my eyes and then there had to be correction along the way and God still reproves and corrects my heart. And then He goes on to say it's not only good for reproof but it's good for correction. That's how to get it right. God doesn't just say thou shalt not, don't do this, don't do that. But the Lord says here is how to straighten this up. Here's how to get it right. And then he said, it's good for instruction in righteousness. Instruction is how to keep it right. You know, the father gets a bicycle for his kids and they put it together on Christmas morning. And after they're done, the little boy says, Dad, what's all these parts left in the box for? Oh, don't worry about that. Just ride your bicycle, son. He goes down the street. Whoa, no brakes, Dad. They bring the bicycle back and they say, well, I guess we better read the instructions. Well, this Bible is our instruction manual. Praise God, Mr. President. And I know in the Oval Office there and on your desk is a copy of the old King James Bible that belonged to your mother. Mr. President, this has instructions on how to govern a nation. Mr. Police Officer, this Bible has instruction on how to do your job. For the preacher, it has instruction. For the businessman, the wife, your husband came with an instruction manual. Wife, you have an instruction manual and your husband can read it and God can show how that family and how that relationship ought to operate. The children come with an instruction manual and it's all right here in the Word of God. It is for instruction. Things seem to have come unglued and come apart in this country and we've gone down a a bad, bad road. And I want to say it's time we get back to the instruction manual and find out what's going on rather than be led down a wrong path with the opinions and the false deceptions of this world and get back to the solid concrete of the Word of our God. And so the Lord said, I'll give you present wisdom for your steps. And then in verse number 17, he tells us, I'm going to provide wealth for you all along this journey. 
He talks about all scripture being given of inspiration of God that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is given to us that we might be truly furnished. That's not thoroughly furnished. That's truly furnished. And it is a word that carries with it several meanings. First of all, when they would say something was truly furnished, they would use that phrase for a house that would be rented. We would say, here's a house, it's furnished. It'll be rented, furnished, or unfurnished. They would say it would be truly furnished or properly furnished. And if you rent a house that is truly furnished, that means there's already a table, a couch, the bedroom suit, the refrigerator, the stuff, everything's there. All you've got to do is just move in and set up housekeeping. Well, I'm glad, thank God, when you get saved, you don't have to bring the furniture out of the old life. You don't have to do things the way that you used to do them. Matter of fact, leave that old raggedy furniture outside and set up housekeeping in the kingdom of God and let the Lord show you the different furniture and the furnishings in the house of God. A second thing that they would talk about being truly furnished as the soldiers would head off to battle, they would say these soldiers have been truly furnished and Rome would furnish everything their soldiers would need. If a man was a longbow archer, he would shoot literally hundreds of arrows in any given battle and he would go through several strings and he would stand there and he'd shoot arrow after arrow as they would darken the sky with those darts that would go against the enemy. But you know that soldier did not have to worry about paying for or providing those arrows. You know our military, I think about these guys that drive these uh, uh, F-14s and uh, big battleships and all that. The captain doesn't have to worry about who's going to pay for the fuel or how much each bomb costs, or what the missiles cost. Uh, they say, fire away, boys, fire away. And they'll put another in the hole, and another, because they have the backing of the United States military. I'm glad, thank God, we have the backing of our Lord and Savior. And whatever God calls us to do, I don't care what it is, or where He sends us, or what He wants us to do, the Lord said, I'll be there for you and I'll truly furnish you everything that you need. Then the last illustration that I read about this word, and I love this, is a captain would uh, furnish his ship while his crew's out getting a little R&R &R and all that. Well, finally, he gets finished furnishing the ship. And he'll say, the ship is truly furnished, anchors away. And they would weigh the anchor and they would take off to sea. Well, when they got out there to see whatever they needed, if the captain had forethought, he already had it put away. If the compass got broke, he said, well, I've got another one. It's in locker so-and-so. If the sail got ripped, he said, we've got more material for that. Maybe if something happened, they need some timber. He said, I've got some lumber downstairs. Whatever, if they needed medicine and a scurvy cane, he had uh, medicine for that. There was water on board. There was salt on board. There were all the things that they needed. But you know, there are many ships down there in the bottom of the ocean today because captains did not realize they would get into certain storms and go through certain difficult times. And as a result, when they reached for it, it wasn't there, and thus the ship went down. I'm glad we have a captain, the Lord of hosts, 
who has had the foresight and the forethought to know everything, every situation, every predicament, every problem, every path, everything that we'll ever have to face. And praise God, He's tucked away those promises, those tools, and those truths right here in the Word of God. And you know, my friend, I want to say that uh, you need to dig in the Word of God. I don't know where what you need today is, but I've noticed this when I'm reading my Bible. Often it'll be in that little passage of Scripture, that promise or that word that God will give me direction. And you know, it may be in the locker of Deuteronomy today. It may be in the cabinet of Revelation tomorrow. It may be over in Matthew. It might be uh, in the book of James. God may give you a word out of Hebrews. It might be Timothy. It might be the Gospel of John. We know the Bible says in the volume of the book it is written of Him. And I don't know, my friend, what you need today. But I point you to this truth that the Lord has what you need in His Word today. And the Lord gives us direction for these last days. Troublesome times, perilous times, difficult times, uncertain times. Yes, they are. But we have a faithful God. A God who is faithful. And He will do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask and all that we could ever think. And I thank God for His faithfulness. Now some of you have tuned tonight. You may be burdened. You may be worried. You might be discouraged in your heart. I point you to Jesus. And I point you to this blessed old book. Get in the book like never before. Get a relationship with the Lord Jesus like never before. And He will help you. I've often thought during this time how our president mentioned the malaria uh, tablets that have been known to help concerning this uh, coronavirus. I've got those tablets on my desk. I take them every time I go to India, to Brazil, to Kenya, Africa, and different parts of the world. It's a 1940s uh, antibiotic that kills malaria and a lot of other things. And he talked about that. And then people mocked him and laughed at him. And I thought, man, you can tell people about the cure, but if they won't take it, then it won't help them. We can point you to the Word of God. But if you won't heed the Word of God, you won't trust the Lord, then I have nothing else for you. But oh, praise God, if you'll heed and you'll hear what thus saith the Lord, and you'll embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find what multitudes of others have found. That He is the answer for life. He is the answer for your burdens, your problems, your need, your family, your situation. A lot of pressures are on families, relationships, marriages. A lot of burdens on uh, situations financially. All these things can be brought right back to bowing your heart and your head before the Lord Jesus and committing yourself unto Him. Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message once again in its entirety, for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, you can visit The Preaching Channel at wgcrpreaching.net. If you don't have download capabilities, feel free to call and order a CD copy of today's message at 828-884-9427.